What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Be Shafe Daily. And go ahead and get your listening ears on because I've got maybe a little bit of a rant in store for you today on the Be Shafe Daily podcast. Today is Monday, July 26th. The Cardinals are off today, but we can talk about a little bit about yesterday's Cardinals win. But I got to be honest, I'm not going to do a whole lot of recapping everything that went on with the game. Cardinals got a big seven-run fourth inning that helped drive the victory. Game lasted like over four hours. It was a marathon, but the Cardinals got to Sonny Gray. They got what they needed against the Cincinnati Red starter to the chagrin of my fantasy team who has Sonny Gray on it. But good day for the offense as the bats really came alive. Lots of extra base hits, several home runs. Tyler O'Neill hit one out his 17th. Nolan got his 20th. Carlson jumping into double digits with number 10. And Harrison Bader hit number 8. Bader is going to be the guy that we're going to spend most of our time today on the podcast discussing because, for one, he's been a really productive hitter for the Cardinals since his most recent return from the injured list. And with his performance from yesterday, which was a huge game by Bader, he went three for four, had the home run, and he also drew a walk. So he was on base four times. And looking up and down the Cardinals batting order from yesterday, where they had all their primary guys in there, Harrison Bader now leads the team in batting average and OPS. 289 for Harrison Bader on the batting average. That's above O'Neill's 274, Goldsmith's 270, Arenado's 261. And OPS, he overtook O'Neill despite Tyler having a good day as well. Two for three, a couple of runs scored for O'Neill. OPS for O'Neill is at 857. Now, Bader hasn't played nearly as many games, and so that's why it was easier for his big day to boost his season-long numbers above Tyler O'Neill's. But what I wanted to get into the weeds on a little bit today is kind of the narrative surrounding Harrison Bader. And this stems from some Twitter interactions that I had yesterday where amid... Another nice game for Harrison Bader, which falls in the middle of a really nice stretch of offensive production for Harrison Bader. It just strikes me, now as much as it does in the times where he's struggling, the outside narrative that exists about this particular player. And through a lot of conversations on Twitter yesterday, maybe I've come to understand a little bit better why it is the way it is, why people have this perception of him that they do. Like I mentioned, during the times where he's struggling, while I understand the disappointment expressed about Bader, I never really understood the degree to which he would receive hatred and catch flack on social media from the fan base. And it's not just social media. That's you know the lens through which we view a lot of our perceptions of what the fan base at large believes about certain elements of the team. But the reality is that people off social media sometimes don't feel the same way about things as those on it do. There can be a little bit of a disconnect from reality there, but I hear it as well from people I talk to in person about Harrison Bader. And I think the majority of the narrative on him 
when things aren't going well. Like you look back to his previous season statistics, 2018 he had, that was kind of his coming out party. He played a little bit in 2017. That was his debut season and didn't do a whole lot offensively in 92 plate appearances there, 659 OPS. But 2018, that was really kind of his coming out party where he played the majority of the season, racked up 427 plate appearances, and finished the year with a 756 OPS, 12 home runs, 106 OPS plus, which if you recall OPS plus, 100 is essentially league average. If you're above it, you're above league average. If you're below 100, below league average as far as your production over whatever time frame is being measured. And so that was kind of, and, and people noticed that year in 2018 as well, his defense being really solid, above solid, honestly. He was kind of burst onto the scene as a guy who really could contribute in that part of the game. Had 15 stolen bases, so people were, you know, viewing him as a guy who had a variety of tools, hit for a 264 average, drew his fair share of walks and hit for a little power. And so like, you know, 20 doubles, that's a pretty impressive number. And so people were excited about Harrison Bader. But I, but I think that it was almost like after that happened and a lot of this was revealed to me yesterday with the idea of the marketing of Harrison Bader after that off season or during that off season, following his 2018 rookie campaign, which was really his rookie year finished sixth in the rookie of the year voting that year people apparently took note of the marketing of Harrison Bader that took place that offseason you remember that was the winter in which the Cardinals unveiled their new baby blue victory blue jerseys that were to begin in the upcoming season and Bader was out there on social media this was you know I was I was asking and I, I guess I should lead with this after the home run I tweeted this out because I was still seeing tweets about Bader where I'm just like, I don't understand it. But here's what I said. It's always been curious to me the level of hate Bader got from social media circles. It was disproportional to his value for me. He's always been an elite defender to the extent that even average offense would make him an uber-valuable player. Now you're seeing well above average offense, and well, yep. Like, yep, there it is. And that, for me, has always been the story of Harrison Bader. Even when he was not performing offensively, you you weren't going to catch me as somebody who was going to complain a whole lot about his presence on the roster or even as a guy who got playing time in the Cardinals outfield because of his elite center field defense. 2019 was not a good offensive year for Harrison Bader. He got demoted to AAA for part of that season because of how poorly he was performing at the plate. And even though I consider that Harrison Bader... In that 2019 season, by the time it was all said and done, was valuable enough to justify a place on the Cardinals? No, I was not saying in 2019 that he's he's you know performing just as you would expect. The plate approach was a problem in that season in 2019 when he finished the year with a 205 average, 314 on base percentage though. So he actually took more walks in 2019. 46 compared to 31 in a greater number of plate appearances in the rookie season that everybody praised him for, which is kind of interesting. But the problem that he had that year was you you just could tell if a pitcher was going to be intent upon throwing him off-speed stuff and breaking balls low and outside of the zone, pound him in the dirt, he was going to swing at him, he was going to chase, 
and there really wasn't much of a secret about that. It just he the book was out on him, and he did not do a good job in that 2019 season of adjusting. But even with that horrible offensive performance, according to Baseball Reference, was still worth a couple wins above replacement. And even Fangraphs, which is a little bit more tough, a little bit more reliance, in, in, as far as I've found, just anecdotally, I don't know specifically the the differences in the formulas. But on Fangraphs, it seems like it's not as easy to bump up your wins above replacement total using their formula on defense alone. But even with that, Bader, 1.8 wins above replacement in 2019, according to Fangraphs. So that's not an otherworldly player, but that's a contributor to a team. And that was at the lowest of the low for Harrison Bader offensively. And so while I understood the frustrations, I what I didn't never did understand, and again, that was a year in which the Cardinals made the postseason, made the NLCS in 2019, what I never quite got was that it would seem for a lot of people like the struggles of Harrison Bader, people would use that as justification or to explain the struggles offensively for the Cardinals at large when the team was having those struggles. And you remember 2019, kind of similar to this year, the Cardinals got off to a slow start. Middle of the year, they looked pretty mediocre. They, they finished up pretty strong. That's been a trend for the Cardinals the last several seasons. I need to find the tweet from, I believe, Sammy Stava sent it out, illustrating the Cardinals' performances over the last five years through 100 games in each of those seasons. I'm going to run through it real quick, just to, this is kind of a side note on today's podcast, which I mentioned will center mostly around the Harrison Bader conversation, but at large, looking at where the Cardinals are and where they hope to go, you look at the last five years, which of course in 2016, 17, and 18, Cardinals did not make the postseason did in 19 and then last year they didn't play 100 games so that does not fit into this equation but pretty much they probably would have been around a similar spot because they finished just above 500 last year in 58 games but in 2016 they were at 53 and 47 2017 49 and 51 18 exactly 50 and 50 missed the playoffs that year fired Mike Matheny that year 2019 53 and 47 made the postseason, made the NLCS. And this year, they're 50-50. and 50. So right now, the Cardinals directly at 500 after 100 games. Three games better than that in 2019 ended up in a postseason run. Obviously, we don't know the way things are going to finish up the remainder of the season. Really, part of it might depend on the Milwaukee Brewers, might depend on the Cincinnati Reds, might depend on whether those three teams in the NL West continue on their trajectory, whether the wild card would come into any sort of play for the Cardinals. It looks like probably not at this point. The San Francisco Giants really being the surprise team of the National League, kind of throwing a wrench into that because you knew the Dodgers were going to be good and you knew the Padres were going to be good. And so you're like, okay, one of the wild cards will come out of the West. Maybe the Central can sweep up the other one. If the East kind of cannibalizes itself the way it basically has played out so far this season. But the Giants being in the picture and, and leading that NLS right now kind of throws a wrench into the Cardinals' wildcard hopes. But nevertheless, kind of an interesting deal there. But with Harrison Bader, 2019, that was his troublesome season. And during, especially during the early part of the year, before he got sent to AAA, and he, he was a little better down the stretch, if I recall, but really struggled early on. They finally demoted him 
those are around the same same parts of the season where the Cardinals themselves were having the the prime areas of of struggle offensively. And so Bader reflected that. But my thing was always Bader was not responsible for that because Bader was typically batting eighth, batting seventh, lower in the Cardinals' batting order. More of a role player if you look at the Cardinals' lineup and the way it was constructed. He was never supposed to be the guy that would carry the team offensively. And I guess if you saw his 2018 and thought 756 OPS, a little bit above average, good defense as well, still a young player at age 24 that season, would continue to develop offensively, and he could turn into a, a guy that could be the, the team's best player. If those were your expectations, for one, I don't understand that. Because that was never his profile. Like, as a prospect... And I get that at a certain point, he was the Cardinals' top position player prospect in like 2016 before his call-up in 2017. But that doesn't necessarily have to be an indicator about the talent of Harrison Bader. It can be a little bit more about the lack of top-end blue-chip prospects the Cardinals had in their organization at the time. Like, just because he was the top position player prospect at the time and still was behind a couple of pitchers in the rankings, as I recall it, that doesn't mean that he is automatically going to be an all-star caliber player, especially offensively. The The book on him was pretty much always average offense, above average defense with a potential to, to really be good in that area. And the speed was something that people didn't know about really either until he got to the big leagues. People didn't realize he was as fast as, as he was. Maybe above average was the expectation for him as far as foot speed, but not quite to the level that we've seen from him, especially when he gets good jumps in the outfield and you know makes a difference on balls in the gap trying to leg out doubles and things like that. So his expectations from people who track prospects and whose, whose job it was to identify these things was always kind of Bader as a defense-first outfielder who could be an average offensive contributor at the big league level and who some people thought maybe he would maybe max out as a fourth outfielder on a big league roster. Not necessarily a star outfielder or certainly star player that would carry a team. And so while the frustrations of watching Bader swing over and over on sliders and and whiff at them and have problems with off-speed pitches, I think the transparency with how obvious it was to fans, and I doubt that Bader was unaware of this either, like, I think he knew that that was his issue in 2019 and wanted to be able to become more of a well-balanced player at the plate. Like, he, that's what he, he knew what he needed to do. It's sometimes just easier said than done. But I think the transparency of how clear it was to everybody involved that this was your issue, I think that maybe is what made it easier for fans to latch on and spew their disappointment and and at times hatred like I've seen some nasty things written about this guy I think that was part of it I think part of it as well evidently and again this did not occur to me I'm in my role I can't explain why that is but I the marketing is something I heard a lot about yesterday the way the Cardinals marketed this guy it was like they expected him to be the face of the franchise from my perspective here's how I viewed it and people obviously disagree with me and that's okay but I just want to color the reasoning for why I felt the way I did and why I maybe didn't view expectations for Bader any differently than that prospect report that I just described. 
because I the marketing thing to me was not of consequence. Yes, he was the model they used for the the baby blue jerseys at you know an event at Ballpark Village or whatever, and so his picture would float around, and that was and he was on social media Blues games, and they they were happy to promote him. I don't disagree with any of that. I just don't see how that's a bad thing. Like Bader's personality is a guy who wants that. He wants to, you know, baseball, the, the conversation's always, baseball needs to do a better job of marketing its players to expand to a younger generation of fans so that they can catch the interest of more people and, and have a more prosperous game. Like, that's the goal. But then when the Cardinals go and do that with Harrison Bader, they're like, no, 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 I didn't mean with that guy because he doesn't fit the description of the kind of player that I think deserves to be marketed. But to me, a guy who is exuberant, who has on display his emotions when playing the game, gets excited over big plays, whether it's a big hit, a big catch, a big win, whatever it is, to me, that's the kind of guy that I would want in the limelight and would want to be a marketing face for my organization. And so I didn't see an issue with that. I do understand the perspective. I'm not arguing with anybody who felt this way. I understand the idea that people would say, well, when you go and put him out there so prominently, naturally expectations for performance on the field would follow. And because instead of taking a step forward in 2019, offensively he took a step back, that was kind of a perfect storm, I think, for Bader to be viewed as this overhyped this and that. And I hear this from baseball fans who are not even Cardinals fans, but have interacted with Cardinals fans. Somebody yesterday on Twitter said, well, Cardinals fans, when I was at Mizzou, ruined him for me because they they said he was going to be the next great whatever, the next Mike Trout, whatever they whatever they were saying, whatever people had their perception at the time. That's just crazy to me because I didn't talk to those fans. No offense to those fans, but you guys you guys were manipulated by a marketing scheme. Like you guys fell for something that was never what Harrison Bader was billed at, in my opinion. That's as I recall it. On the field, I mean, I, I I pulled it up yesterday. Even I went to the twenty. The I went through the archives. I went to the twenty sixteen version of the Cardinals' top prospect rankings, and I clicked on Harrison Bader, and I read the blurb that was there about him when he was coming up. A quote that I took from that for a tweet I sent out yesterday. He projects to be a major league average hitter, if not above average. So they left room for the chance that he would be above average. Good approach at the plate to go along with average power. And then it went on to talk about his defense being plus. So maybe the good approach at the plate is something that if you watched Harrison Bader in 2019, you would have argued with because you had a good year in 2018. Team said, okay, this is how you beat Harrison Bader. And then it took Harrison Bader some time to be able to adjust back to the league, which had adjusted to him. That's not uncommon for players of his age. Like, Mike Trout, even, upon his arrival to the bigs, struggled his first season. Harrison Bader had some success early on and then had to adjust back. Baseball is a game of adjustments. That's the way it goes. But yeah, 2019, offensively, not Harrison Bader's year. Nobody would say that it was. 2020, though, like last season, and I get that it was a shortened season. He only played 50 games. He only had 125 plate appearances, which is about a quarter of as many as he had in the previous couple of seasons, or about a third as many. And so there was not as large of a sample size to draw from. But last year, Harrison Bader 
779 OPS. People still look at the 226 batting average and thought, oh, he's no good. But 779 OPS led all of the Cardinals outfielders last season. Again, not a high bar to clear, especially after Dexter Fowler struggled at the end of the year. We've talked a lot about that after he came back from his, his illness he had where it kept him out for a couple of weeks. He jumped right back in without really any baseball training because there was no rehab assignment. There was no such thing as minor leagues to play last year. So he came back in. He shouldn't have in retrospect because he was not in baseball shape anymore, and it tanked his numbers, allowing Harrison Bader to surpass him along with the rest of the outfielders by the end of the season. But a 779 OPS, that's a 114 OPS plus, so that's 14% above league average for his offensive performance last year, Harrison Bader. I know it comes in a limited sample, and so you might say, I I don't buy it, but it is what it is. And that kind of performance, which was an OPS actually above what he did in his 2018 season for which everybody praised him, that kind of performance, and it was driven a little bit more by slug, 443 in the slugging percentage, his OBP was about the exact same as it was in 18. 334 versus uh, 336 last year. So he, he hit for a little bit more power, as far as relative to his number of plate appearances last year. But if he were to do that over the course of a full season, just a 779 for OPS, he would be one of the most valuable players in baseball, full stop, period, end of discussion, because of what he does defensively. Using fan graphs, which again, a little bit tougher to compile the gaudy war stats from what I've found, he was worth one win above replacement last year. In 50 games. So you expand that across a full season. That's about three wins above replacement. Which would have been just a share under his performance from 2018. Which was 3.6. 3.6 wins above replacement for a position player. That's pretty good. Three wins above replacement. The pace he was on last year is pretty good. You would you would take that. He'd be one of the more valuable players in the league. He, you know, not among the top 10 or whatever, at just three to four wins. But that's, again, 779 last year. And, and, and even that's not probably even fair to Harrison Bader because I'm looking at games played, which is 50. And you, I've multiplied it by three to get to three wins. But in plate appearances, you only got 125. And really, a full season is closer to 550. So you can honestly multiply that by four which would be 500 plate appearances and get to about of a four-win pace, and that's a little more accurate, I think, from a plate appearance standpoint. Now, granted, he was probably in there as a defensive replacement enough times last year for those 50 games or whatever. That's probably a reason that it raised his, uh, his war total because he does contribute defensively. But at a 779 OPS over a full season, I would venture to say Bader would be between a four- and five-win player. And to give you a little bit of reference, we can look at the Cardinals as a team and you know kind of what you think of different Cardinals players and what they've compiled as far as war is concerned. And I think by doing that, there's a chance we'll be able to contextualize the productivity of Harrison Bader in a more effective way. So let's look back to 2019 because that was the last full season of Major League Baseball that we have to reference. And the St. Louis Cardinals leaders in wins above replacement that season. On the pitching side, it was Jack Flaherty 5.0. According to fan graphs, all of this will be. Paul DeYoung was the highest rating position player at 4.1. Colton Wong that season, 3.7. 
Todd Nieben, 3.2. Paul Goldschmidt, his first year with the Cardinals, 2.9. So, gives you kind of an idea. That was a, a playoff team the Cardinals had in 2019. Made the NLCS. Did it a lot with their defense. I would imagine a, a decent chunk of that those war totals. DeYoung, Wong, Edmund, and even Goldschmidt, I believe, getting a bump from his defense there. But you can, if if you're in that range, which Harrison Bader, I think, with the way he performed last season, would be if you were to extrapolate those totals out, that's pretty good. You'd be pretty excited about that. I'm clicking on another team from 2019 just to kind of give you an idea. We'll show the World Series champions, the team that beat the Cardinals in the National League Championship Series, the Nationals. They had Anthony Rendon at 7 Juan Soto at 4.9, Trey Turner at 3.5. They had a few pitchers, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, all interspersed there as well in the 4-6 to six range. But just to give you an idea, like that's the World Series champions, and so they naturally had Rendon at 7. That's a, a pretty exceptional number. Juan Soto's 4.9 is pretty good. They only had two, though, position players above 4. And I'm talking about with what Harrison Bader did last year, not even what he, we haven't even gotten to this year yet. Just with what he did offensively in 2020, that OPS, 779, assuming that he comes by it in, in a similar enough manner with the home runs and doubles and everything else that contributes to wins above replacement, he would end up in that four range, I would think, over the course of 500, 550 plate appearances if you extrapolated it. So that's pretty good. And then we're allowed now to talk about what he's doing this year. Because that seems to be the biggest thing with Harrison Bader is when, even when he's going well, people find reasons to be disappointed. Or they talk about their past disappointment, which is going to inform their present hesitance to really feel like they can buy into the player at this point. And I think with that kind of mindset, it's just a little problematic because of what I've tried to tell anybody who will listen that Harrison Bader does not need to be this monster offensive contributor in order to be on that level of one of the most valuable players, not only on the Cardinals team, but I think uh, you'd look across the National League and would say, yeah, that would be a guy who on any team would be one of their two or three best position players almost across the board. Like I just referenced the Nationals. They won the darn World Series in 2019. And their third best position player was Trey Turner, 3.5, wins above replacement. Now, granted, they had three starting pitchers above him. So, you know, the Cardinals certainly this year are not going to have that based on the injuries that they've had in their starting rotation. I wouldn't think you'd, you'd find your way to that. Jack Flaherty, maybe if he's unbelievable over the final stretch of the season, could get there. And I guess Adam Wainwright could probably get there. I haven't looked at Wainwright's war this season, but just pulling it up now on baseball reference, I'll have to stand corrected. He's only at 1.0 right now, so it would probably be pretty difficult to get to 3.5. But anyway, just gives you an idea. And so, again, I just want to reiterate, that's with the offense he had in 2020. And if you weren't blown out of the water by his offense in 2020, talking about Harrison Bader, that's okay. But I'm just, I, I just want to point that out, that he was pretty solid offensively. And that's all he needs to be is pretty solid average to maybe slightly above average in order to combine that with what he does on the defensive side, which 
again, you can talk about whether the metrics fully capture defense or do they overrate it, underrate it, how do they treat it. Use your eyeballs when you watch Harrison Bader play center field. Honestly, regardless of what you think of defensive metrics, your eyes should tell you all you need to know. He gets behind every ball. He makes the athletic diving catches. The routes he runs are pretty much always impeccable. He does a great job, and so I don't doubt for a moment that when the defensive metrics reward him, they're doing so justifiably because I've seen it. I see what they're seeing, and when I look at the numbers, I say, yep, that sounds about right because he he is the lead at the position, does a wonderful job. And with just average to slightly above average offensive production, that equals value, incredible value for the St. Louis Cardinals. And it may not be the kind of value you thought you were getting when he modeled the victory blue jersey a couple of years ago. And if that's what you're stuck on, I'm sorry. But I really do think it boils down to the fact that value is value, however you come up with it. And Harrison Bader just hitting good enough, decent enough, that can be enough for the Cardinals. But now let's take it a step further. Let's talk about what Harrison Bader has done over the course of 2021. Because this potentially opens the door for something even greater. And I understand the sample size. It's already larger than last year from a plate appearances standpoint. 159 versus 125. And I know that Harrison Bader has two seasons to his credit of more than 400 plate appearances. And so you might be more inclined to consider the sum of those totals more the player that he is rather than these partial seasons that paint him in a little bit of a better light. The injuries have hurt him in 2021 because without them, he would have had pretty much that full season under his belt and you'd be able to get a good sense for where he's at maybe as a player. But because he he just has missed so many games this year, He's, you know, he's had the number of plate appearances that he's had. Hopefully healthy through the rest of the season will give you a good baseline to figure out what he can be over the course of a year. Because I think by the time it's all said and done this year, if he, if he continues to play a lot and maybe continues to hit the way he's been, he might rise up in the batting order and get pretty close to that 400 plate appearances. You never know. But as of right now, he's doing some pretty awesome things. 866 now is his OPS after a 3-for-5 day on Sunday in which he hit another home run, three RBIs for Bader in that one, took a walk as well, 289 now the batting average, 866 the OPS. Leads the team in both those categories. Over the course of the month of July, he came back from the injured list on July 1st. So you've got close to a full month from him since he returned. He's been lighting it up. 362 batting average, 421 on base, 609 slug, and a 1030 OPS. Four homers for the month, 15 RBIs, I believe, leads the team. Has struck out 13 times in the month, 76 plate appearances. You know, maybe you're always going to have strikeouts in this game, so you want to see him be able to be as few and far between as possible, but 13 is not egregious. You know, that's probably, I, I hate to have to do the math live, but I don't even think it's 20% when you look at plate appearances. So he's improving in that regard. Six walks for the month. Just really good numbers across the board for Bader offensively that have obviously fueled his return to prominence on a season-wide standpoint because 
he's basically doubled his plate appearances for the season in the last month since he returned in, on July 1st. So, again, not a huge sample size. But if you are able to keep in mind that Harrison Bader doesn't have to be the hitter he's been for July in order to be a value to the Cardinals, and then consider the fact that at times he will have the capacity to turn into this kind of hitter, the value becomes otherworldly. I'm not suggesting that Bader finishes this season at a 1030 OPS like he's done for July, or even at the 866 that he is cumulatively in 2021. Odds are he regresses back a little bit and, you know, doesn't stay on this torrid pace. But even if he does that, where where could he land? OPS right around 800, 820. What's possible for Harrison Bader? Because when the guy's going, and I think this has always been true of him, he can contribute in so many different ways that it helps him offensively to be able to run the bases. He can beat out an infield single. He can steal a base. Hasn't done it all that often this season, just five steals on the year. But finds his way on base, he can hit for power. Eight home runs on the season, seven doubles. No triples yet, but I'm sure he'll get there. He's got seven for his career. So I'm just looking at Harrison Bader. And in the time right now where he's running so hot, his OPS plus for the season is 140. That means he is 40% above, production-wise, what an average MLB hitter would be. 100 for an OPS plus is average, league average. He's at 140. And interestingly enough, his recent hot stretch has brought his career OPS plus right to 100, right on the nose, which means now officially for his career, he has been very much decidedly league average. Now, it's not come at a steady pace. It's been a lot of ups and a lot of downs. But more ups and downs over the last couple of years, and you, you've still even seen things that bother you, I'm sure, over the last two seasons. Way too high of a strikeout rate. Last year in 2020, struck out 40 times in 125 plate appearances. This season has struck out 26 times in 159 plate appearances. So a drastic cut down, at least so far, to his strikeout rate as compared to what he did in 2020. And and even dating back to 1819, he was striking out well over 100 times in each of those seasons despite only being in the 400 to 425 plate appearance range. And so right now, if you extrapolate out 159 is where he's at, if you multiply that by even four, which would be a, uh, that's like a leadoff hitter type of number of plate appearances that he would get over the course of a season, like 636, that would still only be 104 strikeouts in a massive amount, like in a jumbo size season. So, Bader's strikeout rate this season is much better than it's been. If he can continue even close to what he's doing right now in the strikeout department, in the batting average department, on base, slugging, the whole bit, he's going to be a massively valuable player. I looked at his numbers on baseball reference just a few days ago when he was at 1.3 wins above replacement, I believe it was. He's already jumped up to 1.7 just because of some really impactful days that, I mean, yeah, that's going to jump up pretty quickly if you keep going three for five and two for four and hitting home runs the way he has. This guy could be a five, six or more win player in the making, and he doesn't even have to hit like Mike Trout to do it because Mike Trout's going to have an OPS above a thousand. That's just pretty much what you expect. Shohei Otani, same thing. Those guys are going to Fernando Tatis. Those guys are the cream of the crop offensively in this game. 
Harrison Bader is a better fielder than anybody that's going to be able to put up those numbers. You know, Nolan Arenado, one thing that's made him so valuable is because he's been a two-way player. He's been able to do it both on the offensive side and on the defensive side at third base, which is a pretty premium position. Him this year, though, you know, we've seen the offensive numbers a little lower than they were in Denver because every year, you know, the last four years prior to 2020, he was in the, the mid-900s in OPS. Right now with the Cardinals, he's at 818. But even that has him right now at 2.9 wins above replacement on a nice pace to get to five for the season. Harrison Bader can do that too over the course of a full season. Probably not this year because he missed a lot of time. If he gets there this season, it is because he's hitting like Mike Trout. But I just felt like I needed to do this today. Yes, the Cardinals won on Sunday. They took two, one out of three, I should say. Not two. They should have had two. From the Reds, season's not over. They're right at 500. We'll see what the trade deadline looks as we go through the rest of this week. But today on the Cardinals off day, it felt like a day to dive into Harrison Bader a little bit. Give my defense of his value. I'm not calling Harrison Bader my trout, but I'm saying when you look at the total player, you're getting the total package right now from Bader. And his version of the total package can be really, really good. Because his version of a partial package, where the offense is just so-so and the defense stays, is still really good. Now, if he's OPSing 680 like he did in 2018, he's batting 204, then you have to have a conversation because it, it I understand there it does become a little bit more about, all right, he's fine on his own, but if nobody around him is hitting, that starts to become more of a glaring issue. And you might ask yourself, can we afford the defense only player in center field or do we need to upgrade in another position it becomes an uncomfortable conversation if he's even close to league average 95 ops plus would would satisfy in my opinion a place in the everyday lineup for Bader this year he has been so far beyond that it would make your head spin and so for those out there that are skeptical they're not sure about what they're seeing I would say take it in enjoy the fact that Bader is playing a more complete game offensively Adam Wainwright said it's the most complete player he's ever seen Harrison Bader be knows the talent has always known the talent's been there but what he's doing offensively people are taking note and rightfully so so I would say enjoy the ride from Bader understand that like with any player there can be bumps in the road but I just feel like this is a guy for for whatever reason and we talked about some of the reasons in the episode here today Cardinal fans over the last few years have found reasons to scrutinize his low points more so than others. Others kind of can slip by. Like, Nolan Arnato has been an exceptional player for the Cardinals this year. He's had his slumps as well. Paul Goldschmidt has been the same way. Paul Goldschmidt started really slow this season and has come on a lot stronger of late. But I, I just feel like Harrison Bader, it's like other guys, like, yeah, well, he's Goldschmidt, he's Arnato, so whatever, When you know, he'll be back. And you're right if that was your opinion of their slumps because they have returned and have performed better since then. But with Harrison Bader, it's like he has a slump, and it's like, oh, here we go again, Harrison Bader being overrated. I think that is an unfair mentality for a guy like that can really be a value to this Cardinals team, even when he's not hitting the way he's hitting right now over the past month, when he has been Mike Trout over the past month. He won't stay that way forever, but he doesn't have to, and that's kind of my takeaway that I want to preach is he doesn't have to be that guy in order to still be a tremendous asset to the St. Louis Cardinals. Build around him, right? Like, get sluggers around him. Have Tyler O'Neill type hitters in left field who can 
hit bombs and can also play well defensively and you know have a have an Arnado on the infield on the third base side and a Goldsmith you know build teams and, and have those guys that can be kind of the anchors but Harrison Bader is really good at what he can be and who knows like at the end of this year if he continues it we're like asking the question is he an anchor offensively Right now, I haven't minded that that Mike Schilt has left him in the seven, kind of eight, six spots in the lineup. I think that's fine, and you can make a move up if he continues to showcase these abilities. But also, I'm okay with not trying to overpressure Harrison Bader and just kind of let him do his thing where he's at. It, there may come a point in time where it's egregiously obvious that he needs to move up. But if you've got Carlson hitting better, if you've got Goldsmith, Arenado, those can be your top guys in the lineup and O'Neal has more than held his own as a cleanup guy, maybe as high as you would want to even get Bader is five, unless you really thought the o- the OBP could be a factor where if he does continue to draw more walks, maybe lead off. But they seem to like Carlson lead off and have kind of groomed him for that opportunity as well. So I don't know that there's any reason to, to make a major shuffle unless the Cardinals go on another significant downturn. I don't think that's what the weekend was. They could have done better. The umpires were atrocious all series. Mike Schilt definitely said his piece Sunday, kind of outlining the, the ways in which the umpires were bad. You got Mike Schilt ejected for the second series in a row. I don't think I, I can recall seeing an umpiring crew deny a manager challenge based on the timeline of not getting it in on time. Technically, though, I do believe the time limit is 20 seconds. Mike Schilt admitted it was 27. Maybe he did so thinking 30 seconds was the, the number. But my thing is... It's inconsistent. I don't know. You know, it's happened maybe one or two times ever in Major League Baseball where they've, and it's, I think Aaron Boone was involved in one of them. And it happened to the Cardinals on Sunday. Kind of a bummer. They end up winning the game. At that point, my wife was asking me, well, Mike Schild got ejected again. What's the deal with that? Well, he can't not get ejected in that situation after they get screwed like that. And the strike zone was pitiful. I loved Henesis Cabrera's reaction after he gets ejected leaving the field that was like his own Joe Kelly moment I tweeted out my thoughts on that hysterical love to see it Cardinals can bounce back they got to play Cleveland coming up this week Uh, just a couple of games Uh, Monday they do option Oviedo to Memphis I think it's another procedural move they'll get a reliever or an extra bench bat up for that Cleveland series because they also have an off day on Thursday and depending on the way they want to structure things they may not they just might not need Oviedo and so they'd rather they'd rather go that route. We could find out on Tuesday that it's something entirely different. Maybe it is the trade for Trey Turner that everybody thinks, you know, would be awesome, which it would be. Cardinals, you know, Cardinals could always use more talented players. Who couldn't? Trey Turner apparently on the block with the Nationals. So we'll see what ends up happening over the next couple of days with trades and everything like that. Trade deadline, I believe, is Friday. So we'll keep having podcasts every day leading up to that deadline. We'll even do one on Thursday since the, even though there's no game, there's definitely some interesting topics that will be floating around the game of baseball at that point in time. So appreciate you guys as always for joining me for B shape daily. Make sure to subscribe. If you haven't done so before you can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, and many other great places. Head to anchor.fm slash B for 12, click on more platforms and you'll be able to find all the options for your listening pleasure. Thank you guys once again, and we'll talk to you next time on B shape daily. Peace.